You're listening to the weekly sermon podcast from Union Road Presbyterian Church. For more information, join us on Facebook or visit our website at unionroad.org.uk. On television, although there are endless programs, there is one called How Stuff Works. And, well, sometimes that's a really good question to ask, isn't it? You know, I get into my car, DDA, the Clio, with his go-faster stripes down the left-hand side, now after a little accident, and... I turn on the ignition, and often it goes in the first time. I just turn the key, and it starts. I have no clue how stuff works. I have no idea how the car works, other than putting the key in and turning it. And maybe you're, you're the same, and yet I know there's others who will know exactly, and you'll be able to explain it to me afterwards as I fall to sleep to you doing so. And it's the same whenever we hop onto the plane. We get on the plane, and we know it just will take us to our destination. We don't really need to know about it. We have confidence that the plane will get us from Dublin or Belfast to sunnier places. And it's the same whether it be the water or electric in our house, eh, or emails or mobile phones. Where does our email go when we send it in the sky somewhere? I don't know. How stuff works is a really great question, but for all the things that we have in life, we have utter confidence in so much of it, don't we? And whenever we come to this few verses in Romans 8, even when we don't understand, we can have confidence in God. So even I don't understand the mechanics of my car, I can have confidence that it will go most of the time. Even when we don't understand life, we can have confidence in God. Because we know life has many challenges, don't we? There's challenges with work and with our families. At times we feel, maybe we feel isolated and and cut off. Or there's times where we are just in really difficult spiritual battles. Life itself just throws curveballs all the time where we just don't get it. We just don't understand what on earth is going on. And sometimes in those moments, am I right in saying that we lack confidence in God? not true. When things get really, really difficult, sometimes we fail to have confidence. But these verses, let me encourage you tonight, because these are incredibly comforting words, and some of them are really famous words as well. They are encouraging words to us, because even when we don't understand anything in life, we can have confidence in our God. How and why? Here's reason number one. God gifts us his spirit in verses 26 and 27. God gifts us his spirit. Now, Paul begins this little section that I read, verse 26, with likewise or in the same way, maybe in your version. And what's he saying there is to look back. What's it the same as? What's the likewise all about? He's bringing us back way back to verse 18, the top of that paragraph. And what's he talking about in verse 18, Paul? He's talking about present sufferings, the difficulties of this world, the challenges of it. We know them. And then in that paragraph, he talks about groaning, doesn't he? Paul writes about the groaning of creation, the groaning of ourselves, and the groaning of the Spirit. And he says that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy are not worth comparing with the glory to be revealed to us. Let's hold that in our minds as we follow on through. 
And what Paul says in these verses 26 to 30 is that the Spirit helps us in weakness. See it there? The Spirit helps us in weakness. What is this weakness? Is it the, the frailty and fragility of life? Is it the, the, the suffering and the not knowing of life? Is it the perplexities of life? What is these weaknesses that Paul is talking about? Here, it's, it's those speechless moments in life. Have you had any speechless moments in life where something happens and you just don't know what to say? The really challenging moments, the really difficult, the times of feeling isolated, frustrated, those spiritual battles, those times of weakness where we look to other words and nothing comes out. God gives us his spirit. These are the speechless moments because look what Paul says there. We do not know how we should pray. Have you been in that place where you don't know what to pray? You've walked down the house. You've landed in your bedroom. You've ever flopped on the bed or flopped on the floor on your knees. And you don't know what to say. You're looking to pray, but nothing's coming out. You're utterly weak. In those speechless moments, God gives us his spirit to help us in weakness. Because, well, we don't know God's will. We don't know how to pray for as we ought. So in those moments where you're flopped on the bed or the kitchen table or on your knees, you don't know what to pray for. Do I pray for, for healing? What, 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 Lord, do I need to pray? We've all been there. We just fumble over our words. We don't know God's will. We don't know how to pray as we ought. But God gives us his spirit. To us, the spirit what does his spirit do? The spirit himself intercedes in verse 26. And that's again repeated in the verse 27, isn't it? But the spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And then again, the spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. So when we do not know what to pray, when we don't know what God's will is, when we are lost for words, when we have nothing to pray, what do we read there? That the Spirit is interceding for us. The Spirit is interceding. He repeats that to be in verse 26, verse 27, that God's Spirit's interceding. We have two intercessors. We have Jesus in the very throne room of God interceding on our behalf, but the Spirit is interceding for us in our hearts. We have two intercessors, Jesus, because we finish in Jesus' name, we pray, amen. And the Spirit here, Paul says, and the Spirit intercedes and searches our hearts. The Spirit searches our hearts. So whenever we can't get the words out, whenever we're flopped in the bed and we don't know what to say or what to pray, the Spirit is interceding and searching our hearts. God knows our heart better than we know our hearts. And as the Spirit is searching and interceding, the Spirit is perfecting our prayers. You see, the Spirit, what does the Spirit do? He searches our hearts and knows what's the mind of the Spirit, intercedes for the saints, the bottom of verse 27, according to the will of God. As we follow Jesus, as we learn to be like Jesus, as the Spirit works in our hearts, what is the Spirit doing? The Spirit is making us more and more like Jesus. The Spirit is 
making us have more knowledge of God's will. We don't know it all, but as we grow in Christ, our prayers become more and more attuned to Christ. So if you spend more time with somebody, you get more and more attuned with them, don't you? So it is with God's people. As God's Spirit works in our hearts, we become more and more attuned, as it were, that our, our prayers will become God's will. And, well, that's generally, but here especially, the Spirit is praying God's will for us, perfecting our prayers. So when we have no words in the pit of our misery, to our constant battle with sin, where we have failed yet again, when we're at the lowest depths where we've lost our voices, we've lost all confidence, the Spirit is interceding for us. Even when we don't understand, even when we don't understand what is going on, we can have confidence in God because He gives us His Spirit. And His Spirit is interceding and searching our hearts. That's the first reason. The second reason is in verse 28. Let's read it together. It's probably a very well-known and treasured verse for so many people. Verse 28. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good, for those who are called according to His purpose. The second thing is God works for our good. That's how we can have confidence even when we don't understand. Because this verse utterly transforms the way we look at life. Utterly transforms the way we look at it. It's like a, a panoramic view of our life, of the world's life. It's not like being in the valley floor where you can just see a little bit and like, oh, that's terrible. It's at the very mountaintop. This is what we're looking at in this verse, the whole panoramic view of history. Because isn't it true that we can be so rattled by tragedies in our life? We can be so shocked at tragedies in this life. We encounter so many difficulties. We can become disillusioned with life itself. Why, why, what's this verse got to do with that? Well, God works for our good. With all the tragedies and difficulties of life, we only have a limited knowledge of God's will. We're in the valley, if you like, just looking at a little corner, whereas up here in this verse we get the whole panoramic picture. We have a limited knowledge of God's will. But how does Paul begin verse 28? And we know. We know. You ever been in a conversation with somebody and they're talking about somebody else and they say, oh, you know them? You know. Or whenever we were in school, Dad used to ask us questions to make sure we had been revising rather than skiving. He would, you would give him a little bit of an answer and he'd say, no more. You know it. You, you know. And he was trying to encourage us to say a little bit more. Or if you're speaking to someone, they're trying to get you to rejig, rejog in your memory who it is they're talking about. And then when eventually you get it, it's like, I, I could do know them. I could do know. And Paul's saying here to remind us, you know, remember, don't forget with all the difficulties and struggles of life, you know God works together for good. There's a song that we sing not, not, not that often, The Goodness of God. And it's, it's a newer, newer uh, song, and one of the, the verses says that all of my life you have been faithful. So whether you're under 30 or pushing up the age bracket, no matter what age you are, all of your life, God 
has been faithful. All of my life, he has been so, so good. And that's this verse. No God, folks, no God in the struggles. When we don't understand what's going on, know that God is working for good. Because it's really hard, isn't it, in suffering? It's really hard and difficulty. All the struggles of life. Paul says, you know. Take your eyes off the problem. Look up and know God is working for good. All the significant issues and challenges in life, from jobs to family life to health worries, we can have utter confidence that God is fulfilling his plan. Utter confidence that God is fulfilling his plan for our good. You'll know Joseph from the Old Testament, don't you? Joseph in this technicolor coat. Joseph has, what happens in Joseph's life? He gets thrown in a pit by his brothers. He gets sold as a slave by his brothers. He ends up imprisoned and forgotten about. And what does Joseph say after the death of his father when his brothers come and he saves them? This is what Joseph says in Genesis 50 verse 20. You intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. I don't think any of us would pick Joseph's life. But as he looks back on his life, he says, God was working things together for good. God was fulfilling his plan. God was fulfilling his purpose. And I've sat with some of you and those watching at home, and you've been able to point to a moment in your life of extreme suffering and difficulty, and whenever you look back on it, many are able to say, actually, David, God was working for good. God was working for good, even though I cried and cried and cried. Even though I didn't know what words to say, God was working for good. And when the end comes for us, the big picture, we will see that it is all, just like Joseph, for good. And have confidence in that. Whenever things aren't going well, when we're in the pit of sin and suffering and our relationships are broken and fractured, God is working things together for our good. But there's a huge but. There's a huge but in this verse. Okay, it's not literally a but in the verse, but what's the big but for us? God works for our good, but for those who love him. But for those who love him, God works things together for good. So for the Christian... As David reminded us, week one, this chapter begins with a no condemnation. It ends in no separation. As we come to tonight, there will be glorification. That is for the Christian. That is the good, the glorification for the unbeliever. But for those who do not love Jesus, instead of no condemnation, there will be condemnation. Instead of no separation, there will be separation. And instead of glorification, there will be destruction. God works all things together for good for those who love him. Make sure you're loving the Lord. How does God work things together for good when life is difficult, when we don't understand what God is doing? Well, why would God put us through all this? It's for our good. Those difficulties, those struggles, just maybe as the Lord working in us to keep us walking with him. 
keep us walking with the Lord through those difficulties that we keep on the path of righteousness, that we will see the day of glorification to help us persevere in life, that we would have a stronger faith and a certain hope despite all this, the difficulties and the struggles where we are uncertain. God is working for our good to keep us on the path that we may be conformed to the image of his Son. We can have confidence, even when we don't understand, because God is working for our good, for those who love him. And what is this good? Verses 29 and 30 answer it. God will complete salvation. God will complete salvation. Do you know the dominoes? You know the wee things that you stack up while you play a proper game with them? But you know the dominoes that I would do? You stack them up and you, you try and get them around the table and you, you flick them and they all like, they all drop around the table or maybe whenever you seem to take a cup or a plate down, they all come crashing in as well. Or I know some people in church were doing you know, crazy trick shots over lockdown. You have to get all the, the start hitting the golf ball in the bedroom. And we've had a few books and different things down the stairs, round out the window outside and into a mug outside or something. There's a lot of, a lot of parts to it and you have to maybe set it up and reset it up. And like the dominoes, you might get it in one if it's easy, but sometimes you need to reset it. That's not God and salvation. He's not constantly tinkering with it to get it just right. It's already right. It's already secure. So verse 30, it's often called the golden chain of salvation. It doesn't need to be fixed or anything like that. It's secure. It's unbreakable. You know, a chain and its links. Well, this is what this verse has been called. This golden chain of salvation. It's unbreakable. Why? Because it rests on God's unbreakable, unfailing love. And what is in this golden chain of verses 29 and 30? There are a few words that we need to just pause and ponder just for a moment. The first one is in verse 29 that God foreknew us. In other words, that God has chosen to love us. So just in the Old Testament, it's God's covenant love on his people, Israel. So you remember that verse from Deuteronomy that God, his treasured possession, not because of anything they had done, but just that God had chosen to love him, love them. That's God for knowing us. God has chosen to love you. Not because of who you are, where you're from, or what family you belong to. God has chosen to love you. He foreknew you. And then into verse 20, uh, 29 and 30, again, there's this, this repeated word, predestined. What is that? It's God's planned destination for us. So as God foreknew us and has chosen to love us, he sets us to a new destination. And what is this destination? Well, in verse 29, it's described as being conformed to the image of Jesus, that he would be the firstborn among many brothers, that all the saints together would be like Jesus, and then in the verse 30, he calls it glorification. And we'll think about that in a moment. So God has chosen to love us. He has chosen to love us, so sends us on a planned destination. And he calls us. What's that mean? Well, it means whenever we follow his voice. So for some of us, that was really sudden, wasn't it? Where we just knew we had to come to know the Lord Jesus. And for others, it's a gradual over a period of time where we respond by God's Spirit working in our hearts to follow Jesus. And whenever we follow His voice, we are justified. That's the next link in the chain, isn't it? What's that being pronounced? Not guilty. 
And there's two aspects of that, isn't there? There's God's justice. There's also the declaration that we are just. And where do we see God's justice? We know, don't we? It's the cross of Jesus. The crown of thorns on his head, the pierced hands, the blood pouring out, the wrath of God being poured out on him. That is God's justice for those who love him. And so that God can declare that we are just. That my sin is on Christ and I can be seen as one of his people. Why? Because my sin is gone and I am clothed with the righteousness of Jesus. So that one day, this glorification happens. This is God completing his salvation, that God's completed redemption in his people. That destination that we are set upon because he loves us is, we're there. His final destination is secured. That's that golden link chain, God working from start to the very end of salvation. Nothing to do with us because God chose to love us. Here are two things I want you to remember. The first one is this. Look at these verses together with me again. Those who, okay? Verse 30, and those whom he predestined, he also called. So this is not like Tashiki's castle or an interview process where you're trying to whittle down the numbers till you get to a winner. Those whom he calls, those whom he, he predestined. So all of those people he predestines, all of them, if you imagine being picked up and are called, there's no one left behind. And all those who are called, all of them, so the same people that are over here, all those whom are are called, are going to be justified. And all those who have been justified will be glorified. There's none slips through the net. Before I use the illustration of picking up sand from the beach where the grains fall out, that's not how God works. All those whom he foreknew, they will see glorification. God will complete his salvation because it's not dependent on us, but utterly and solely on him. Those whom God will complete salvation. And then do you notice, they're all in the past tense, aren't they? They're all ED words. Predestined, called, justified, and glorified. Well, we're sitting here, we're standing here. That's not yet. But in a sense, Paul says, it is. It is so utterly secure that Paul is able to say that we are glorified. Why is it so utterly secure? What did Jesus cry from the cross? It, another E-D word, it is finished. It's done, finitoed. God's salvation is completed from him for knowing us till we see glorification and the Son of God face to face. This verse is so good. Even when we don't understand, we can have utter confidence because God will complete salvation. It is all down to him and not us. This golden chain is eternity security for us. It's time to God. God will carry his work to completion. No one can snatch us out of his hand. This is it. Even when we don't understand anything in life, we can have our confidence, can't we? Because God will complete his salvation. God does work things together for our good. And what is that good? That we will be made just like Jesus. 
And I think it gives us a spirit right now when we're lost for words. Whenever we don't know what to say, we can have utter confidence in our God because he works things together for good. Even when you don't understand life, we can have confidence in our God. For those whom he foreknew, he predestined. Those whom he predestined, he called. And those whom he called, he justified. And those whom he justified, he also glorified. Whatever we face in life, whatever our lot, though we will face many trials, though we will all continue to sin, in Jesus, what can we sing? It is well with my soul. The praise team are going to lead us in worship. Let's stand and sing praise to our God, whom we can have full confidence in.